Um, I wanted just to, can we just talk vision for a second? Okay, cool, cool. We, can we can decide? Can we talk vision for a second? Okay, cool. So um, we are kind of like entering the final stages of being able to open our child care center, which is called Natural Discovery Early Learning Center. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know, this has been a labor of love. It has been a long time that we have been working on this because of all the different requirements that are, are, are presented to us, and we've got to work those all out. So we are in the process of, of just holding on and trying to get through the last few things that we need to get done. And um, man, I'll tell you right now, I'm excited about it. And um, how many of you guys have a mortgage? Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, somebody's excited about their mortgage. That's, a, that's, that's Jesus. So, um, so here's the thing. Think about your house. Think about how much you pay for your house. And think about what if you lived in your house one day a week? So just one day, one night, you spent there, and you spent all the money for utilities, all the money that you spend on mortgage, and that is what you got out of it one day, one night a week. Um, how many of you guys would not be okay with that? Right? So you'd probably start trying to think about, like, what else could I do with this stinking house, right? I, maybe I could rent it out for the other six days a week. Maybe I could, like, run a business out of it. I don't know. Like, you would try to do something and sell it. And so when you think about, um, let me tell you what I hear at the warehouse, six days a week, when I come in, everyone, shh, shh. I hear this. I hear pretty much nothing. And it's because the warehouse is mostly empty. And I'm excited to know and see that, like, the heart of Second Place has been to say, okay, we have this facility, we have this space. We're blessed with it. You might not think much of it. I think it's pretty awesome. But when you realize that it's, it's quiet six days a week, man, why not put it to use? Why not serve the community with it? Why not um, be able to bring in kids from around the surrounding area and allow them to learn about Jesus and, and maybe find out that there is a, a community here that's ready to go? And so that's kind of the same idea. We're, we're, I'm excited about the day when I walk in and I hear laughing and playing and kids and running around over there and uh, the playground, which is coming along, right? I mean, that looks like it's getting to the point where I want to go hang out there, right? Like now it's getting kind of cool. But I want to tell you something about the child care center that, um, that you may not know is that it's this. The child care center, as long as it's taken for us to get going and as hard of work as it's been, it is literally a drop in the bucket compared to what is in our hearts for what this place could do. And that's why it's so hard, because we just want to get that thing open and get those kids in here. Um, Rachel is our kind of lead on the child care center, and she's saying that right now we're getting about one call a day for people who would like to enroll their child. And so we're getting to the point where we need to get this thing open. We could have an open date within three weeks. Um, but here's the thing. It's a drop in the bucket. And why do I say that? Because in our heart, what we've done, we've had this plan for years. Some of you know it. I haven't said it in a while. That's why I'm taking a minute right now. Is that Chris Crustle is an architect. He helped us a couple years ago to actually envision what it would look like if we had this entire building. This entire building is 36,000 square feet. We're in one-third of that. We're in 12,000 square feet. We're from that, that end to that wall right there. It's one-third. But here's the thing. How many of you guys want to know what we would do with the rest of the building? I do. Okay, there we go. We got, okay, so just because one person wants it, I'm going to give it to you all, right? 
So if you imagine there's thirds, this building is split up into thirds, the middle third, the middle four units, would literally be our gathering point, our, our gathering place, where we would be able to go and have this service and have our gatherings there in the middle portion. And then this piece from this wall over there would all be for community and for kids, child care center stuff, children's ministry stuff. Our kids would meet in this space, and it would be awesome. So that's kind of like this wing and then the middle four sections. And then the last four sections would be rooms for tutoring, for music lessons, for art lessons. We even figured out a way to squeeze a gym in there. Yeah. And you would think of it as a community center, as somewhere where the community can come and, and enjoy it. So I have not said this ever from the stage until last night. But I'm going to tell you, I've mentioned this a little bit. I, I started praying a crazy prayer at the beginning of this year, on January 1. And you guys are going to probably want to mark down the fact that I'm insane. You know, whatever, August, is today August 12? August 12? So what I used to pray is that I used to pray this. I was like, God, would you please... Just stir the hearts of the landlord so that they would just have this overwhelming, generous spirit and choose to just give us the building. And I've texted them. I've texted them and said, you know, and they're Christians. And they're like, hey, you know what, man? If it's ever on your heart to just, you know, sense the Lord a little bit and, you know, just figure out how to give us the building, we would totally put that to great use and you'd get a heck of a tax break, man. And, uh, and then he responded with, go to God and go to the bank and have him get you a loan so you can buy this, this uh, building. And I'm like, oh, man, like, that isn't the God that I'm serving right now, dude. Like, no, like, you need to be the one to just give it to us. <sighs> and so I, I was just praying about that, thinking about that. And so I really felt impressed upon my heart to change my prayer. And so... I was praying about a win-win. So what's a win-win for this whole situation? I started praying this, and this is the insanity. I started praying a $4 million prayer. And I said, I'm just going to believe for $4 million. <laughs> it's so crazy. So I'm going to believe for $4 million. Why $4 million? Because I know if we had $4 million, we could buy this entire building, we could buy the lot out front, and we could renovate the whole space into what we want so that we could really be like a dream center for this community. Not because of us, but because of who we want to point to, right? We want to bring people to Jesus and to show him that he is involved in every aspect of your life, in the arts, in education, in your spirit, in your soul, in those kids, it's just the family, all of that stuff. And so today, I'm sitting here going, can we just get the child care center open already, right? Rachel, you're feeling it, right? And I just feel like that. So Here's the thing that I'm going to say to you. In the, in the baskets that are in front of you, there is a gold envelope. And yep, I'm going to ask you guys to prayerfully consider making a special gift to help us get over the finish line with the child care center. We have some expenses that are coming up that are going to be um, more than what we expected. And so we're just wanting to be able to be good stewards. And we haven't take out, taken out one loan for any of it. We've paid cash for everything. And so it's because of your generosity and because of your, your vision to see this thing happen. So if you can just prayerfully consider during the service today that you might make a gift to the Child Care Center, you can fill this out, put something in there, and you can drop it in the joy boxes on either side of the room.
Um, this is different than our white envelopes. Our white envelopes are for, you know, what you would normally give, um, and that's awesome. But this would be kind of a special gift to help us get over the finish line with the Child Care Center. They're starting orientation for those that are going to be working at the Child Care Center this Tuesday. Like, it is going down, man. And I know and I trust and I'm, I'm confident that God's provision is going to be there. You guys down with that? So we have been in this kind of season of... Um, from May to August, this, this theme of discover the wonder and really trying to help us rediscover what God is all about. And for some of us, discovering it for the first time, that there is an amazing part of God that we, and God is just amazing in general, and that we have so much to discover about the wonder of God. And so we're trying to see if we can do that. And um, I'm excited about that. But before we dive too, fur too much further into that, what I want you to do is I want you to stand up, like loosen up, get ready, because this is going to be a tough message. I'm the worst one. Everybody say worst one. I'm literally the worst one to give this message, all right? But I'm just going with it, and we're going to be fine because God's cool. So all right, here we go. You guys, go ahead and stand up. Greet somebody nearby you and say hello. I'm excited. How many of you guys are stressed out? Let me ask you and be honest. How many of you are stressed out? Cool. Here's one of the things we're going to do. I have an altar call that is going to happen from now until the end of the service. Are you guys ready for this? At any point in time, you can come up and do this anytime. Every Wednesday night at students, what we do is we offer as an option for the students to give up their phone. Some youth ministries say, give us your phone on the way in. We don't say that. Well, we say it's an option. So here's your option right now. If you'd like to be present for the next 30 minutes or so, there's a table right here where you can throw your phone and you can say, you know what, I'm going to stick it to the man right now and he's going to go over there. You can do that. So students, I expect you to lead the way here. Now's the time to go ahead and do it. Jonathan, thank you very much. You're the man. Let's do it. You just want to be present. They see, they're, they're, they feel it. They, this is normal for them, all right? This is what they do. So they just give up their phones because they want to be present. I asked a couple of weeks ago, I asked the students, I said, um, how many of you are addicted to your phones? I said, how many of you are addicted to your phones? I would say, and I said, every head up, every eye open, how many of you are addicted to your phones? And I would say about 80% of them raise their hand immediately. Ha! <laughs> like, that's some honesty, right? Now, for some of you, it's Sunday morning, and you're on call for work, right? You're on call for work. Let me tell you how to play this out, all right? What you need to do right now is you need to give your phone to someone that's sitting next to you. That person, whoever, if you receive a phone right now, what you need to do is you need to power it off, all right? And then take it up here and put it up. Now, in the next 30 minutes, if you go and you're on call and you go back and grab your phone off the table, all right, and you have a voicemail from work, that says, hey, you were on call, why didn't, you, why didn't you answer your phone? You can legit tell them, somebody turned my phone off, I'm sorry. <laughs> totally true and not a lie. And this, just like Jack Black says in School of Rock, this is a great way to stick it to the man, all right? To stick it to the man. This is what, this is what it's all about. It's about being present. One of the, the hardest things in the world for God to get is your time. It's your time. Your time is so, so important, but it is so, so precious, right? I would say that it is easier for God to get your money than it is for him to get your time. 
Why are we stressed out? Well, maybe it's because um, we're on a treadmill. Wow, this thing counts down. It's like very, very scary stuff. And um, are we going to go 2, 4, 6, 8, or 10? You all are evil, and that is not okay, all right? So you're on the treadmill of life. This is getting even faster than I want it to go. So you're on the treadmill of life, and you're just going. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Like, I just work. And in the, in the Western culture, what we do constantly is we're always working, right? And now cell phones, hello, they're over there now. You're always available. So, so your work invades your family life all the time. But how many of you know that when your family invades your work life, you somehow feel guilty and you don't, it's not okay. So we're on a treadmill, right? We're on a treadmill and we just keep going and we have been like this for a long time. By the way, this is only four, all right? This is only four. I'm going to try to like do one of those like mall walkers, right? <laughs> Here we go. And so the treadmill keeps going. We have tasks that we have to do. We have the kids to get them to all these different things and we keep going on the treadmill. And then it's like, you, you have this idea that, like, Sunday's a day off. And how many of you know that Sunday's not a day off usually? Like, there's, there's laundry to do and there's things to clean up at the house and all that stuff, right? And you just continue on the treadmill. And it just seems to get faster and faster, doesn't it? Like, I might have to start running now. Um, but it keeps, keeps getting faster and faster. Does anybody feel that? I feel that. I do. And all these things just weigh on us, all these tasks. Anybody want to guess what I'm at right now? I'm at eight right now. Yeah, it's good. I don't know how this is going to work. Am I going backwards? Are you, like, worried? All right, here's, here's ten. So, so what you need to do right now is turn in your Bibles to Genesis 2. I'm not kidding. Genesis 2. The sooner you can do that, the better. This is 10. Okay, cool. All right, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Everyone say hooray, right? Okay. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested. And he broke something. On the seventh day, he rested. And so he had rested from all of his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. We pick up this part of the story after day six. In day six, God was creating all those first six days. And he said, in that account, it says, there was evening, there was morning, the fourth day. Evening, morning, the fifth day. Evening, morning, sixth day. Then on the seventh day, he rested. No evening, no morning. He rested, and he just rested. It's interesting, um, this passage um, doesn't use the word Sabbath, but in future parts of Scripture, 
when this story, when this account is, is um, recounted, the word Sabbath is used for the seventh day. I think what's interesting here is that he made it holy. He made it holy. He made it uncommon. He, made it, he set it apart. He made it different. He made it something else because it was time for him to rest. He made it special somehow. And then you see Exodus 20. Everyone turn there, Exodus 20. And Exodus 20 is when God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. Now, we're not going to go through all the Ten Commandments, and so if you've got those on lockdown, great, good for you. But I want you to think about this. This, what we'll read, is the commandment to remember the Sabbath. Let's go ahead and read it. And before we do, let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, just like in Genesis, I pray right now that the things that we talk about, the things that we read today from your scripture would teach us. Lord, you are the teacher, we're the student. We need to learn from you. And so, God, we open our hearts to that in Jesus' name. It says this, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, set apart, uncommon, different. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Keep going. On it you shall do, not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, uncommon, set apart, different altogether. Now here's what you need to know about this commandment. If you think about it for a second, if I were to tell you that this is the longest commandment that God gives to Moses, what does that tell you? Why would this be the longest commandment? Maybe needs the most clarifying. Johnny said most important. Why would God make this commandment of all ten the longest? I think it comes down to the treadmill. It comes down to the fact that Israel was a culture of what? Slavery. They had just come out of slavery where they were, uh, had taskmasters that said, get on the treadmill, and you know what you're going to do? You're going to work, and you're not going to be able to slow down, and I'm not going to give you a day off. And I'm going to put it to 10, I'm going to keep it at 10, and I'm going to make you work, and I'm going to whip you, and I'm going to torment you, and your entire family is going to work. And you're going to work like this for 400 years or more. And all of a sudden, God comes to Moses and says, I need you to stop. I need you to rest. Why is it the longest commandment? I think maybe part of it is because they had a culture of work. And they, if they were not told and not so, not so clearly, they would have reverted back to that. It's all they knew was to work and to work and to work. And now we're talking about getting our own land we're talking about going to the promised land? 
oh man, now we're going to work seven days a week and we're going to do that for the Lord and it's going to be our land, not for a slave master. And God's like, time out. I want you to rest. I want you to work hard for six days, but on that seventh day, I don't want you to do anything. I want you to rest. Later in uh, the Gospels, Jesus is being tested by the Pharisees. And he's, um, the, the disciples are walking along the road and they grab some wheat and they start threshing it in their hands. And they're blowing the chaff away and they're eating. And the Pharisees see this and they say, hey Jesus, how come your disciples are working on the Sabbath? Because what they're doing is they're harvesting by threshing and winnowing and blowing away the chaff. They're harvesting, so why is it that you're allowing this? They're breaking a commandment. And Jesus, in, in very clear terms, goes through it and says, are you kidding me, <laughs> basically? You have lost what the Sabbath is all about. He goes on to even heal a man with a withered hand, who some would say that the Pharisees planted in the synagogue because he shouldn't have been there. And he heals him on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees come at him for that as well. And so Jesus, in that passage, he says, you know what? I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And then when you look in Matthew, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but you can. Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28, he says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. God set up the Sabbath in the very beginning as a day of rest, and yet, what do we do? We just keep on working. Believe me, I am the worst one to give this message. Because that's me. I mean, you could say, I mean, I only work one day a week because I'm a pastor, right? But that's great. That was a joke. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, dude, you got it easy. But what do we do? I think part of the problem is that we don't set up healthy personal boundaries and we don't set up healthy life rhythms. See, God was about uh, boundaries and rhythms that were life-giving. Everybody shout life-giving. Life-giving life rhythms and boundaries. We are horrible about creating these. Altars are still open. The table is open. If you'd like to grab, drop your phone in there, no judgment, room of grace, right? God knows that we need rest. The wonder that we need to discover today is the wonder of rest. I'm not talking about a nap every, you know, afternoon. I'm not talking about an hour in the morning. Those are all good things. Those are all good rhythms. But I'm talking about a weekly rhythm that you're saying, you know what? I am going to chill out and I am going to focus on God 
for these 24 hours. It doesn't mean that you become a monk and you go into like your little prayer closet for 24 hours. It means that you have a motive of your, of your heart is to simply be giving back and acknowledging that everything you have, everything is being held together by God and that you're not replacing God with work. You're putting God in that place and saying that the Sabbath is actually um, so that we can do all the other. We don't set up these healthy personal boundaries, and we don't set up these healthy life rhythms. You see, um, it's not about, and maybe some of you feel like you're at a 10, right? And you're just running, running, running. And, it's, and you're at an incline even, like raise it up. And you feel like, you know what, I just want to throw out the treadmill. Here's the thing, it's not about throwing out the treadmill. It's about understanding what a sustainable rhythm looks like for you. I'll tell you right now, if you raise your hand because you're stressed out, I'm going to tell you that your schedule has a lot to do with it. Your rhythms of your life, the boundaries in your life have a lot to do with it. The stress in my life, same thing. And I would tell you that it's not about getting rid of the treadmill. And it's because we have this mangled perspective that somehow rest is not okay. Like not working is not okay. But then when we understand that God knows and that he set this up from the very beginning and that what he wants us to do is to create a sustainable pace. It's about sustainability. But our sustainability is paralyzed when we have an inability to create those healthy rhythms and those healthy boundaries. So um, when you think about this, Think about your life. Think about what day of the week do you really just say, okay, I'm going to slow down and I'm going to rest. I saw people yesterday that were, that were working on their phones or whatever and they just put them away when this message started. They're like, whoa, I need to like focus. I don't want to be that guy. But what happens when we do this? I think God knows that there are some awesome things that happen when we rest. Um, I'll go through a few of them that I feel are true. The first one might be the most difficult one is this. It enables, when you rest and you spend, uh, spend some time dedicating it to the Lord, it enables you to get to know you. And I don't, I think the resistance to resting and being not filled with things and to-do lists and putting those all aside for 24 hours. The reason we don't like to do that is because inherently we know that somehow in there we're going to get to know ourselves and we already know that we don't like us. We don't like the way that we are. We don't like the fact that we're on the treadmill we don't like any of those things about us. We don't like our attitude. We don't like the things that we say or do. We don't like us. One of the toughest things to do, especially for me, who I love to be around people, is to be alone. And to become okay with being alone with your thoughts and with God. Because if we will push through the wall of that self-talk that says that we're not worthy, we're unvalued, we are not the one that really knows what's going on, when we push through that, that obstacle, that resistance, what we will find is that we will find that God will whisper to you, he will say, I am enough, you are worthy, you are valued, 
You are my child. I would like to rearrange your heart a little bit with your help, with you. I'd like to work on that struggle with you. I'd like to work out some of the things about your attitude. I'd like to do that in a gentle, loving way. Being alone with our thoughts, being alone with God requires some persistence and it requires us to push through the wall where we say, you know what, I don't like me, but God loves me. And when we begin to understand that, our identity begins to come in line with what God says. And instead of listening to the voice that's in our heads, that's is always negative and always condemning and always that, again, remember, does that, is that the way God talks? No, that is not God's voice. But when you break through that, you will hear his voice and he will say that you are worthy, you are valued, you are so worthy that I sent my son to die for you. And he rose again so you may have new life. When we get to the point where we can rest, it enables us to get to know us. Second thing is that we awake to the blessings in our life. Like, literally, you can just stop and just be like, wow, when you start to think about how many blessings you have in your life. Even if you're going through the struggle of the day and the struggle of your life, you can still, when you're quiet and you, God, you allow God to remind you of the blessings, you will be blown away. It, if you don't stop, you will blow right past all these blessings that are happening to you. And if you slow down just long enough to listen and to look and to consider, to write all those things, you will see the blessings in your life. Um... Thursday night, we were getting ready to crash, and, and um, Noah over there is learning how to play guitar, right? And uh, he's excited, and he's getting pretty good. You're getting pretty good, dude. And um, sorry, you're a PK, so you get the stories told about you. Um, and so he came in, and he was excited, and I'm just ready to crash, and he's like, you know what, um, can, I, can I play what I've been learning? And I'm like, yeah, do it, man. And He started to play. And I was overwhelmed with that blessing. Because I've been telling you to, to play for a long time. <laughs> and I don't know what it was, but I was like, I was, tears are welling up in my eyes just like now. And I was like, how blessed am I to be sitting here and my son is playing? He's learning. He's progressing. He's challenging himself. And you're like, get over it, Joe. No, man, that's a blessing. <laughs> but unless I slowed down enough, I, I would have missed that. And I had been missing that. But not only does it allow us to see the blessings in our life, but it allows us to, to hear and see the lessons in our life. Like, what is God trying to teach you? Like, you are going through the battle of your life. You're going through all the things that are happening in your life, and you're able to slow down enough to get all of the garbage out of your life and to say, okay, what am I supposed to be learning from all of this? And you can begin to process that with the Lord. You can begin to talk about that with the Lord. 
You can learn the lessons and you can even begin to write that stuff down so you don't repeat mistakes passively. The other thing that it allows us to do is it allows us to see oppression. Wow, it got serious fast, right? It's a, it allows us to see oppression. When we're able to actually understand the world and everything in it and we're, we're, we're at a peace and we're just resting and we're able to see that, oh my goodness, the world is messed up and we need to do something about it. We can sense and see and feel oppression where it's happening and we can get on fire for doing something about it. We can align ourselves with what is crushing the heart of God in our world and we can get a fire in our belly to go out and do something about it. And then the other thing it allows us to do is it allows us to walk our talk. It allows us to walk our talk. I mean, all of us like to be able to be the one that has it all together and we can tell people like how to live their life and like in small group we can be like, well, this is what this scripture means. You need to get on board and well, you're with that struggle. You just need to get over it and here's what you do. Just pray harder and all this other stuff. But when you realize that your source is the Lord, what resting does is it allows you to realign yourself with who you say you are and the leader that you're following. And then he just gently says, I have a few things that I want to adjust. I have a few things that I'd like to rearrange. And when he does that, you're able to begin to walk your talk. You're able to walk your talk. So, I mean, so summarizing that, it's really this. It refreshes our physical bodies is what rest does. It expands our mental capacities, and it increases our spiritual awareness, even our hunger for God. What you'll find is that when you start to rest in a consistent way, that you'll want to rest more. Like you'll want to have that. You won't want to miss that time with God. So it refreshes our physical bodies. It expands our mental capacities. It increases our spiritual awareness. So what does this look like? Um, what does this look like for you? And I think it's going to look a little different for all of us. But I'm going to tell you um, a little insight into um, my messages and how I do these. Um, so there's different types of yeses. So um, I often will start my message, and you guys will totally bust me out later, like in next week, is I'll start off with um, kind of a casual yes, right? So I'll say, hey, are you, are you stressed? And then everyone's like, yeah, I'm stressed, right? It's a confirmation yes, like, yep, that's me. And I'm like, because we all are, right? I mean, it's an easy yes. But the way that you begin to actually rest is a different, like I would say, do you think that rest is important? Yep. But the different yes that I'm looking for is a commitment yes. A commitment yes says, I am committed to resting. That's the first step is you have to do in order to open yourself up to this, is that you have to make a commitment to rest. You have to make a commitment to rest. The second thing is that you've got to carve out the time and be deliberate and intentional about doing it. Like, you have to carve out that time. And for me, it's definitely a conversation because I'm in a family context. Some of you are single or live alone. That's awesome. You can kind of like do this, but some of us are in families where like taking a day off is like a big deal when it, you've got like five or six other people that are interacting with you, and it's a conversation. Spouses, you got to have a conversation about this. Sarah and I have a conversation every week because um, even though I only work one day a week, we try to take one day off 
and that day floats because it depends on y'all's schedules because sometimes you guys are available when we were going to take a day off and then we're like, all right, we're just going to take Thursday this week. All right, cool. We're going to do that. But you have to have that conversation on a consistent basis to be deliberate and intentional about carving that time out. And then the third step is, is simply doing it. Just do it. Adjust the time that you go to bed. Adjust what time you eat and your meals together. Maybe add exercise to your, to your routine. So one, make a commitment, not like, like just like, oh, sure, but a commitment to doing it. Second is to carve out that time, and third is just to do it. Um, Danielle Kowaleski, one of our trustees, she shared last night about how it looks for her. She was feeling um, for a couple of months that uh, she felt like God was basically saying, um, Danielle, shut up and listen for a while. And so what she did is she decided to take a Sunday morning for an extended amount of time. She, she lives by herself and she has a bedroom that's pretty empty. And she just said, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to pull in my rocking chair, little footstool, a couple end tables, and a, a journal, um, a Bible, and a concordance, and I'm just going to sit. And as she did that, she, she didn't really know what she was doing. She had no clue how to do it. She just was like, I'm just going to get and, and put myself out there because I'm supposed to shut up and listen. And so she started to write down all the things that were on her mind to kind of get them out of her head. And as she did that, you know, things started to, to come around and she began to to like interact with God and to talk about the things and to listen like she was wanting to do. And when she did that, um, she, she realized that there was a lot of things in her heart and in her head that were really messed up. And she actually wrote down, that's really messed up. And it was a powerful time for her and she's looking forward to doing that again. And so I don't know what it looks like for you. That's what it looked like for her. But on a consistent healthy rhythm basis. What does it look like for you? What does it look like for Sarah and I? I mean, for, for her and I, since as long as we can remember, what we do is we take like an overnight trip once a quarter. We just find somewhere to go. We like price line it or whatever, and we try to find a, a place where we can just crash for 24 hours and just be able to be alone with our thoughts and with God. And we do that. But that's a quarterly basis. Um, we do that on a weekly basis as best as we can. It's virtually impossible right now. Vulturally? I don't know. Virtually impossible. It was a vulture, maybe. The vulture of time coming at me. But I think that it's, it's difficult for us to do it, but we try. This past week, we were blessed by some friends that, that had a lake house that we were able to go to for 48 hours. And in that time, we were like literally put the phones away. We're just going to try to chill out. We're going to just try to enjoy. And it rained for like the first like 36 hours. And so it like forced us to stay in the house. And we were able just to be. And in that time, your guard will go down as it did for us. And we got to have some raw conversations. It was the whole fam too. Um, And we were able to have those raw conversations. And we were able to get beneath like the conversations that you normally have on a day-to-day basis. And there's tears, and there was honesty, and I wouldn't trade that 48 hours for anything. But it was because we took the time to rest. The band can come up. There was a time in my life when I had a zero rest policy. 
I was working 60 to 70 hours a week, easy, um, very gross. And I felt the need to provide, I felt the need to do everything I possibly could. I was working a full-time plus job, plus doing side work, plus, plus, plus. And in that process, I feel like I lost Sarah. As I put my work ahead of everything else, I felt like I lost my kids and my connection to them. I felt like I lost my soul. By the grace of God, he slapped me upside the head and he got me thinking about that. And I, don't, I, I wish I could explain it in more detail and maybe someday I will be able to, but I was able to get to a point where I realized that whatever it was that I felt was urgent today can wait till tomorrow. Whatever email I need to send, whatever call I need to make, I do that tomorrow. In order for you to rest, and this is a big thing too, in order for us to rest is we got to like get the laundry done, get the house picked up, and get all that stuff done before you're going to take your day off. Because otherwise, it's looming in your head, like, oh, i got to pick that up. Sarah and I are going to take two weeks in, in September. Um, to, we're going to Colorado. We're just going to spend some time on our heart and soul. And we're going to do that together. And it's going to be hard. We're not doing that by ourselves. We're going through an intense like, counseling thing, and it's going to be really good. I'm, ex- I'm scared out of my mind, but I'm excited too. But this summer has been, been hard. And I know that as I rest, I can bring my best me to you guys. And you can bring your best you to your friends and family if you will just get into a healthy rhythm. I mean, I haven't properly grieved my mom's passing. Like, it just was like... She was here and then she was gone and it was like back to the hamster wheel. My relationship with my dad, am I being too vulnerable right now? Everybody want to look away? You can look away if you want. My relationship with my dad is very, very not okay. And in in a sense, like I need to grieve that a little bit because I don't know that it'll ever be the same again. And And then there's I mean, that's just like the easy things to talk about. Like there's like 50 zillion other things that I got to unpack, right? But I think what's awesome and what is encouraging, Room of Grace, is that all of us have our own baggage. And when we stay on the treadmill, we just don't, we just ignore it. And it's time for us to become a people that set aside time. We make it an uncommon practice in our world. It's uncommon, it's set apart, it's holy, and that's what we do. We are those people. And I'm telling you right now, second place is going to be better for it. And all this dreaming and this crazy prayers and all that other stuff, we're going to be able to see God do some things, but not if we're burned out 
Not if we're running at, on an E all the time. Only if we are able to get off the treadmill for a minute. So why don't we stand? We're going to sing some songs that help us get there. And my prayer is that you guys would do the, the work over the next few minutes to just say, okay, God, where do I need to adjust? What do I need to do? Heavenly Father, Lord, I am the worst person. Why? Well, I'm the worst person to talk about this, God. But Lord, I, I feel as though this is where we're at. And I honestly don't think it can happen in just one Sunday message where we just talk about rest and all of a sudden we get it and all of a sudden we're able to apply it. I think, Lord, it's something that you're trying to do in us because you want us to be different. You've set us apart. And Lord, I know that part of that difference is not replacing you with our work. Work is good. Work is created for us. It is a blessing when our passions are able to combine with our work, Lord. It is amazing. But Lord, it's not that work is bad. It's that you are Lord over all of it. And when we don't recognize it and stop and slow down and recognize that, Lord, I believe that we lose our soul and work becomes our God. So God, as we sing these songs, I pray that they would stir our hearts. And Lord, that if we need to find a place in the warehouse to to wander off and to talk to you specifically about our stuff, that's fine. If we need to just make a commitment, a commitment yes in our heart to you over the next few minutes, Lord, we ask that you would help us to do that. And Lord, help us to be maybe even made accountable to others. So God, that we can become a people who have found the wonder of rest. In Jesus' name. So hopefully that was a hard message to listen to. <laughs> Because there's so much freedom that comes in rest. And when we go ahead and sit in the tension of that, we are the beneficiaries of that rest. Um, a couple of things that I would like to throw out there. Um, off of boot camp, a message like this would be something that we would go sit in groups and we would talk about and we would hash out. And I'm going to encourage you and push you a little bit to think about who you're gonna contact to have a conversation with about this. Maybe it's someone who was here that you heard it and you have the freedom to say, I don't agree with half of what he said. Or I was challenged in this particular area. There's something about sitting in that that helps us understand it, helps us unpack it a little bit. And um, growth groups aren't happening and that does not mean a thing. That means we create those opportunities and um, own some of that and find value enough in it to create that opportunity. Um, I think the other important thing to remember is that rest looks different for everyone. My rest looks a whole lot different than Joe's rest. I don't want his rest. <laughs> it's not refreshing for me. Um, there's not one right answer here. And I know we like that. We like to know, I found rest because I found my hour and a half spot here and I sat in my chair and I did my devotions. That's not how it works. But it's in spending time with him that we surrender ourselves, that we hear how he built me uniquely and how he wants to refresh me uniquely. So 
when I had littles at home, my rest looked a whole lot different than my rest looks now with my youngest being 13 and my oldest being 21. And that's okay. Take a deep breath and just ask, invite, relinquish, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you life and rest and what that looks like for you. Um, you know, today, my week, Sunday's a work day for us, so, you know, <laughs> this is not really our day of rest, and yet, um, I already told Rachel, I'm going to need to take a minute to breathe today, and so I invited my kids to come on a hike with us. Okay, and I use hike loosely, like on a paved trail. Um, we're going to go walk a paved trail, because that's rest to me. I want to be with my kids. I want minutes with them, and that's rest for me. Um, some of you might be playing those stupid video games, you know? I see nothing in that, but that's not my rest. But it might be your rest. So, talk too much here. You already had a message. You didn't need a second one. But just want to encourage us to sit in that a minute this week. Don't just blow off the rest. We're going to find it, right? 23 years... <laughs> 23 years we've been working at, I kept trying to be who he was, and I needed to be who I am, because together we're better, because God knew what each of us needed. I don't need to be what he is. He's got it covered. He's got it all covered. He's, he's good. We don't need another you. No. Nope. Nope. Don't need another you. So it's okay. It's okay to just find what that is. So um, do you want to read Psalm 23? Do you want me to just pray a blessing pray and wrap it. this baby up? Yeah. Okay. Father, we are just so thankful that you meet us here, that you're actually wooing us to you with this rest, that you whisper to us to come, come to me, you who are weary and I will give you rest. You tell us in Isaiah that you're like a mother hen who puts her wings around her chicks. And they aren't doing a thing but sitting in the protection of her wing. And that's where we want to be right now. Resting in your wings. And then we get to go out and we get to learn, and we get to be, and then we come back to our rest. Slow us down to hear your heartbeat, to meet you where you are. Prepare our paths before us. Make straight the places we need to be in our moments of quiet, May we hear your whisper and know what you're calling us to. We have a work to do. We know that. And it's good. You created us for that work. But it's in the rest that we hear your voice and know what that work is. So we give you this week, and we ask that you be present in all of our conversations, in all of our actions, in all of the things that we prepare before us, we invite you. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.